Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Mike Wittenstein. I'm so stoked to have him here. I mean, this guy is a five times entrepreneur and now the founder of Story Miners. I mean, this guy's helped create over $2 billion in value for over 800 clients. That's, I mean, that's enough of a rap sheet for you to just want to say, okay, I'm going to listen to everything this guy has to say, because obviously he knows what he's doing when it comes to strategy in a business and having a true real direction for scaling past the million dollar mark. So Mike, let's kick this off. First off, say what's up to everybody and then we'll hop in. Hey everyone. It's great to be here with Josh. I'm glad you're back and I'm glad to be here for the first time. This will be awesome. So let me ask you this, Mike. My first question, having worked with over 800 companies and started five of your own, if you had to start a brand new business from scratch, no network, no money, no anything, what would you do to go from zero to a livable income within 90 days? I'm going to tell you a story first, and then I'll answer your question, okay? And do you ever hear about Albert Einstein? He was the guy that invented the formulas behind the atomic bomb. Well, he used to teach at Princeton in his later years, mathematics mostly. So what I heard told was that a heckler from the back of the room kind of taunted him, you know, because he was known as the guy behind the, the bomb that, you know, that kind of ended World War II. So the student says, so Mr. Einstein, you know, kind of smarty pants, if you will, if I put you in a room and you couldn't get out, but there was a nuclear bomb inside, and you only had 60 minutes, what would you do? And unflabbergasted, just totally cool, he said, you know, young man, with a German accent, I think I would spend the first 59 minutes thinking about what to do, and then I would do it. Kind of smart if your life and everybody else in the room's at risk, and you've got this atomic detonation that might happen. So his message was, think first. And if you have 90 days, that question presupposes that, oh my gosh, I've got to get going and do something. But that's the firefighter mentality. Oh, there's a fire. I got to go put it out. That's not always the smartest thing to do. Sometimes the smarter thing to do is to be Smokey the Bear, you know, and prevent forest fires. So here's the point. The first thing that I would do is start with a story. I'd listen to my future clients' stories. I'd listen to stories from the industry. I'd start crafting my own I'd paint a really clear picture of what I thought my business would be, most importantly, centered on the value it would bring to my future customers. I would come to understand how they would interact with that service from every single angle. I would know the details of operation. Now you can't figure all that stuff out up front, but you can definitely imagine what it could be like. And if you put that, your strategy into a story, it's so much easier for everybody else to follow and to help you. And that's where your acceleration in the second half of your 90 days comes from. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I love that because, and I love the story, 59 minutes, you know, and, and before you, it's one minute to, to take an action. And what's really interesting is for how many times I've asked this question, that seems to be the resounding answer is instead of just trying to go gung ho and fly directly into, to working and just work your tail yeah. off, you know, it's, Think about it, sit down, analyze where you're at. So I love that response. So what would you do during the action steps? Once you've thought about it, you've made the plan, what are your next steps? 
right, well, we don't know what this business is yet. So let's think about it from um, a strategy perspective because that's how you open the show. In my opinion, the first thing that you need to get really clear on is your reason for being. A reason for being is not a mission statement. It's a promise, an irrevocable promise that your brand makes to your future customers and that your business supports. It's 24 by seven, it's always on. And here's what the three parts of it are. You have to know for your reason for being whom you serve, the value that you create for them, and value is not money or something that you value, value is what they value. And finally, what are they gonna do with the value that you create for them? You need to know their end game. And all of that goes into one tight, 100% unambiguous phrase. When you have your reason for being, you have the beginnings of a brand and the beginnings of a business. It's kind of like your DNA. You know, if you have the DNA of a squirrel, you're gonna get a long bushy tail. If you have the DNA of a human, you're gonna be an ice ballerina or um, a dentist. You know, there are certain things you can and can't do. So you've, you've got to listen to your customers in the market, make your best understanding, and then go after something that you know will create value. If it's not going to create value, stop, start over, or make an adjustment because it's not going to go anywhere. The purpose of every business is to create value for clients. That's its number one goal. It's not to make money. Making money is a result of delivering value for somebody else, especially a sustainable business. Now, this doesn't apply to the mafia or to you know illegal organizations of any kind. The rules are different. But for those of you that are in a, in a good, you know, for benefit, for profit, good for the world kind of business, you've got to know your reason for being. The second thing you need to know are your principles. Principles are really important because it's how you connect your business to the needs of others. You figure out that eight to twelve ish rules that you're going to operate by. And the test for coming up with these principles is if you take any one of the principles away, your business can't deliver the value that it used to or it ceases to operate. It basically it breaks. So you're trying to find out, you know, what, what's the infrastructure of principles or promises that make your business real. One of the principles at StoryMiners is that we won't ever do business with a company that by design does harm to others. Sounds good, doesn't it? It has a ring to it. So what does that not allow us to do? What do you think, Josh? What couldn't we do? What kinds of clients can't we serve? <laughs> Any sort of damaging type clients, you know, drug lords, <laughs> for example. Yeah, right? drug, drug lords, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that would be things. like vaping, cigarettes, yeah. hard liquor, you know, CBD, you know, five years ago, we would have said no, no. CBD, yes, marijuana, no, you know, just, in terms of, well, I don't guess marijuana doesn't do harm to people. I guess that's what the general consensus is now, but illegal drugs, um, gambling, child trafficking, stuff like that. These are going to be great keywords for your podcast, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, we're always looking for those. Right? <laughs> you want me to keep going a little bit more? Is the detail helpful? Yes, that detail is, I, I can't even keep up with my notes over here. So I'm going to have to go and listen to this afterwards. <laughs> cool. Well, there's, there's a couple more things that really help out. And I'm, I really am telling you what we do and how it works. So I hope this is helpful to folks. The third thing that you need to know is your emotional signature. As a business, there are going to be a lot of other companies just like yours. But you know what? Yours is going to feel different than the others. Disney as a theme park experience feels very different from your local carnival at the state fair 
feels very different than Six Flags, which is all about the adrenaline of going on huge rides that try to make you throw up. So there's a difference in how it feels. And if you can boil that down to about three words, you're in really good shape. Um, a friend of mine, Lou Carbone, did a, uh, some, some work for a medical institution. I can't remember the name of it. But when he was talking to his clients at the time, and this is the first time I ever heard about using emotions. I learned it from Lou Carbone. Um, he said that they wanted to repair the clients. He wanted, they wanted them to feel healthy. And after Lou worked with them for a little bit, he, they came and landed on the idea that really the design of the business emotionally would be that people felt renewed because you can't repair all the patients. You can't cure all the illnesses. Does that make sense? But if you feel renewed, and I think one of the other ones was refreshed, you're coming out in a better state and all of the people that are in your caretaking team, your, your other doctors, your family, your friends, all of that, they're all gonna know, whoa, when, when Mike came out of the hospital, he was doing so much better. Kind of an interesting way to design. So if you're designing your hospital experience to be renewing and refreshing, you're probably gonna do some things that aren't only clinical. You're going to do some things that are just fun. You might have the, you know, the, the what do you call um, therapy dogs come by or children singing or whatever it takes to kind of renew and refresh your patients. So the idea behind a business isn't to just make money. It's not about being the most efficient all the time. If you're a ball bearing manufacturer with lights out manufacturing, yes, go for efficiency. If you're launching a space shuttle, yes, make sure that you go through for efficiency's sake. You don't want anything to explode. If you're healing people, if you're delivering dry cleaning, if you're trying to scale up your bagel truck, you know, to 50 locations and, and break your $5 million barrier, then you need to think about that emotional signature as well. Yeah, I love that. And, and I found that, um, first off, amazing, amazing outline. I love that. Um, I, I found that a lot of businesses, especially the ones we work with, when they hit that million dollars and they plateau, it's typically because they don't really know who they are yet. They don't know where they fit. And what I love about your methodologies, it's, it's almost discovering what's already there. You know, you're not, you're not really pulling something out of non-existence. It's something that your business exists. You're just trying to basically shove the dirt away and, and reveal what it is almost like a Josh, Josh, that's why we called the business story miners. Oh, you wow. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> Pull away all the, the dirt. Wow. And I didn't even know that. Look at me go. So, um, yeah, that's, that's so cool. Well, so I want to ask you a couple questions along the line with that strategy because, and, and I hope everybody will stop, look at this episode, re-listen to it again and take notes because you should be able to answer all those questions in your business. If you don't, you're probably going to have extra questions as well, which we'll cover that here in a minute. But for you, when you're, when you're developing a strategy for a business, Mike, what, um, what are kind of the core issues that you see with most businesses or like the most common issues that you see when, when you go into a company? Okay. Um, one of them is that the founder grew up learning how to think a certain way. They might be a chemist or a marketer or an educator or an attorney, and they're in a business that needs different kinds of thinking, but they still try to decide everything the way they learned in college. That's probably the number one thing. It's a hidden bias. There's no name for that bias that I know of. There's all kinds of other biases that have been coming out in the news in our crazy politically charged polarized world. But this one, I don't know a, a name for. But so many folks, uh, an accountant wants everything to balance. 
You know, an engineer wants everything to be perfectly aligned and elegant and straight. Germans want every old, not Germans, but German engineers, they like the trains to be on time is the, uh, you know, is, is what people refer to often. But sometimes the, the challenge that you're facing is how do I create leaders out of my people? And if you're just a chemist and you didn't have the advantage of wonderful people mentoring you, guiding you, teaching you, and showing you how to train other leaders, you know, because a leader's job is not just to get people to follow, uh, to follow them, it's to make new leaders. Um, you're going to be a little bit short. You know, if you need financial models, but all you're used to is digital marketing, you're going to need some help. Some problems need to be solved in a certain way. So one of the things that we teach when we're working with clients is a concept that I learned from my friend, David Ng. We work together at IBM. It's deciding how to decide. And that's a hard pill for a lot of leaders to swallow. But once they do, everybody, when they come up on a big, considered, important, direction-changing, game-changing decision, they stop for a second and they say, all right, how are we going to decide on this problem? That's even before they do the research. But then everybody knows it's going to be the benevolent dictator is going to decide. It's going to be consensus. It's going to be two-thirds majority. It's going to be 51%. Whatever the method is, you declare it up front. And that clears out so many problems. The cool thing is when juniors in the organization start using the same technique, it really levels the playing field. And it lets the people with the best ideas get them heard, get them out. And it keeps the... Old-fashioned leaders, you know, sometimes it's the most powerful or the oldest or the richest person who gets to decide. What a silly way to decide who's going to decide because every situation's a little bit different. So that's number one, but I'll take a break. I, well, I love that. And I'll let you carry on here, but I want to ask an interruption question here. Sure. Is a business model a strategy? A hundred percent if you're designing yourself to be adaptive. If you're running that ball bearing manufacturing plant and you've got standing orders for 10 million little stainless steel balls to one ten thousandth of an inch accuracy every day for the next five years the last thing you want is change you want everything to run like clockwork you want your raw steel to come in you want your forming tools to be working you want to have a two-day supply of little rough balls before you polish them and you don't want to overload the testing you see, i have no idea what i'm talking about but you kind of get the idea Sounds like you do. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made ball bearings. I have been in a lights out plant, though. I had to use a flashlight. Um, the, uh, <laughs> when you're building an adaptive organization, you're in professional services, you're in healthcare, even a veterinary's office. You know that things are going to change, and you build in these like expansion joints. Or you ever seen those um, universal joints from mm -hmm. a, a mechanic? You know, like a little a nut driver. And then there's this other piece that so you can like turn it like this. So when you turn one, the other one turns. So it yeah. works at any angle. That's a universal joint. Uh, it's a hundred percent important to do that. If you know your business is going to shift a little bit because you want to be able to adjust the model all the time so that you're constantly getting good flow and new flow through your business. You, in my opinion, especially after this, now that we're post Corona, so to speak, it's it heinous to not build an adaptive strategy into your business. So yes, your design is your strategy. Your design is a reflection of the value that you're creating, the changes in inputs, the uh, different kinds of messaging you might do, the different teams that you might work with. A lot of companies go through, um, you know, to break that million dollar barrier, they have to stop doing individual sales and go to distribution. 
some larger companies have to get rid of their distributors and kind of bring it all back in-house if they decide they want to build a brand. If you've got those flexion points built in to your governance, to your strategy, to your financial reporting, to your contracting, it's so much easier to make those moves. It's, you know, fighting that resistance of this is the way we've always done things that hurts you later. So planning for that up front, 100%, I'm on board. I love that. That is awesome. But I know I interrupted your flow because you talked about the, the first piece of the process. So I'll let you continue that. I just had to interrupt there because I'm sure yeah, a lot of people cool. have been wondering that same thing. I and ask me the question again for, for my benefit as well as the audiences, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. I'm not going to remember the question. Dang it, Mike. <laughs> no. I think it was about, oh, a problem's breaking through the million dollar barrier. That's right. right. Okay, thank you. Yes. Right. So the first one is about deciding. The second one is about listening to your customers anew. You got into business, you start listening to your customers, they tell you what they want, you get really good at it, and then you find out you're kind of stuck. Chances are you only had part of your market. The way I like to look at these things is not your opportunity is smaller, but your opportunity is bigger and you might be able to serve additional markets or adjacencies to the one that you're pursuing right now. So if you go back and listen again to your customers, that's one of the ways you can find out, you know, which way you need to be going because it's probably, it's probably a two or three degree click from where you are. It's probably not a 90 degree turn. It doesn't make sense. Usually it's a few degrees off and you're doing great. I can give you an example if you like. Please do. All right. Um, a, uh, a soft goods apparel design and uh, contracting firm called Alternative Apparel based in Atlanta was doing great selling t-shirts. And they had, because of the old machines, they, they like recommissioned these really antique machines that used to make that really soft fabric for your t-shirts. And they had the lock on the supply, so they had the softest t-shirts. They called it a hand, a soft hand. That's what they call it in the rag business. You feel it, and if it has a soft hand to it, it like lays on you really well. It's got a great silhouette. You feel comfortable in it. It takes machine washings, blah, blah, blah. They had superior material, and they had a really visionary designer who was creating you know, the shapes of these things that were just right for bodies of today. You know, This was about 10 years ago. Well, it turns out that Alternative Apparel thought that their client was the people who bought the shirts, which were other designers who would, you know, print them with, you know, those, I forgot what they call that stuff, not tie-dye, but. Yeah, it's like anyway, a, a vinyl. You know, printing t-shirts, yeah. yeah. Or they'd sell them to department stores or something like that. So they thought the people that wrote the checks were their clients. Well, after a lot of soul searching, we figured out that they weren't in the business of making the softest materials. That was one of their principles. But their reason for being was to give wearers of t-shirts a way to make a fashion statement about themselves. Very emotional. So their advertising campaign switched from, we have great soft t-shirts to you can wear our shirts anywhere, you feel it's right. And they had pictures of people in t-shirts at weddings, t-shirts at funerals, t-shirts at presentations. They were just being themselves. And that created this really strong connection with the target audience. And they started doing other things with the supply chain. They put um, barcodes you know, on the 
tags of the shirts and they'd share the market research back with the people in the channel. They never had that stuff before. So they created extra value for customers by giving them that emotional lift, help them to transform, which is one of the, the highest items on the you know, elements of value pyramid, if you will. And um, they loved it. And uh, then they started selling other things that were soft and didn't require folding or to be put on a hanger, scarves and leggings and all kinds of stuff like that. And they just sold to Hames a few years ago for 60 million bucks. They did well. Uh, not too shabby, you know. <laughs> yeah, a slight shift. You know, we're not about the material. We're about how you feel in the material. That was the difference. So it's usually very, very small. And it's usually within everyone's grasp if they'll ask hard enough and listen long enough. Take some patience. See, I love that example. I mean, it reminds you of the Under Armour story and these other people who are in the garment sector. But they're some of the best people to watch how they understand their customer because they have to, the, the best brands are the ones who understand that, right? I mean, Nike and, and Under Armour, whether it's superior quality or not, you're wearing it because it makes you a better athlete, right? And that's, that's why you wear their, wear their clothes. And the Allbirds are the ones that came to mind, the shoes, you know, the cotton-based mm -hmm. shoes. And it has nothing to do with how cool the shoes are, even though they're really cool, by the way. They, they're not paying me to say this, but... <laughs> um, it's it's kind of that that difference maker right because they're they know who their people are they know what they actually want and and the desired end result and i mean it comes back to what you were saying is like what are what are the what are your clients your customers going to do with the result you provide them and that's yeah that's because perfect. that's what they're buying they're buying what you sell them as a tool to help them get what they want what you sell them is not usually what they want it's usually something bigger and if you can tap into that, you can start to do your messaging, your technology, your operation, your product and service offerings, all to help them get more of what they want. That's yeah. creating more value. That's the smartest play in strategy. You've got to max the value that you can give your customers. And it's not the value that you think it is. It's what they think it is. So here's the deal. This is the heart of the whole day. When you're doing your reason for being and you're listening for your customers, you're not trying to get your customers to bend to your will or to your funnel or your click-through campaign. You're bending your organization to be of highest value to them. All the hard changes on the inside, not the outside. That's the sign of a really strong adaptive business, one that's sustainable and one that will stay profitable. Aim for that. Love that. Wow. And, and what a, what a cool way to kind of wrap this, this up and put it into a beautiful bow. And, and so I want to go back to this and say, everybody, you know, as you're listening to this, we've already mentioned this, go back, answer all those questions. If you've been answering those questions this time, so this is the second time you've been listening to the episode. If you've been answering those questions and you feel like it's sparked additional questions, Mike's got a really awesome thing for you guys to be able to go do to get the answers to those questions. So Mike, let us know how to get access to that. Sure. Well, you got a chance to try this out just before we went, went live on the air. So I'll tell people how to get there. And if you would, um, please tell them what you think. Yeah. Go to storyminers.com. It's S-T-O-R-Y-M-I-N-E-R-S.com slash, and there are four letters, Y-A-M-A. -A. It stands for You Ask Mike Answers. And basically you go there, you ask, you click on the video, you click an orange button, you ask me your question, and I'll get back to you in 48 hours. And Josh, what do you think that'll help people do? 
Oh man. And, and I, I did have to chime in here too, because what I love, love, love about this is you're actually getting Mike's response. This is not like a bot message trying to sell you anything or a sales pitch for a call with Mike. It's ask him a genuine question. See, see if you're, you know, if you're having a specific problem with your strategy, that's, that's an issue. Ask him the question. What I loved about it too, is very user-friendly. You literally go to the link, watch the 25 second video, click a button, ask your question. You're off to the races. Mike's going to answer. It's going to solve your biggest problem. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> no, I don't do personal advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is, do you believe in life after love? That's going to be my question. <laughs> so Mike, I do have to ask you one final question just to wrap this interview up and everybody make sure you go check out that link. And once again, it's storyminers.com forward slash Yama, which is Y-A-M-A. But to wrap this up, Mike, if you could leave one final parting piece of guidance to our audience, what would that be? Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. You did great prep, and this was just a lot of fun for me. My, my parting word of wisdom is um, it's this. No matter how hard you try or how much you spend, your brand can't be any better than what your customers actually experience. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.